Hello, hello, hello. This is the Vanilla JavaScript Podcast. I'm Chris Ferdinandi. Thanks so much for joining me. Today, I'm talking about whether or not you need build tools as a web developer. Um, really quick before we get started, though, I want to let you know that a new session of the Vanilla JS Academy, my project-based online training program for beginners, starts on February 1st. And this week only, you can get 40% off of registration using the code EARLYBIRD at checkout. Head over to VanillaJSAcademy.com to learn more. Now, on to today's episode. So, um, one of the things that comes up a lot um, kind of when talking about development processes and, you know, what senior developers do and, you know, like what professional developers do is the idea of build tools. And so the the short kind of takeaway here, if you stop listening to the rest of this podcast, is that you don't need build tools to be a developer. You can get by totally fine without them. Um, but you may want to use them anyways. And I'd like to explore when you do and when you might actually be better off without them. Um, so for me, my whole approach to web development is to keep things simple until they're not. So um, like for me, there's something incredibly refreshing and powerful about being able to open a text editor, an HTML file, and a browser and just start building. No NPM install process to wait for, no command line prompts to run, no friction between you and what you're trying to build. Until there is. As projects get bigger, the files associated with the project grow, both in size as they get longer and longer, and in number as you end up with more pages and more scripts and more things on your page. Sometimes it's both. And managing that growth becomes its own kind of friction. And this, for me, is usually when I turn to build tools. Um, not all build tools are build equal. So there's some that I love and there's some that I hate. Um, I used to be a really big fan of Gulp.js. Um, I'll drop a link to that in the show notes. Gulp.js is a JavaScript-based task runner. And one of the things I really liked and do like about it is that it's, um, it's, it's written in JavaScript. It's node-flavored. But if you're comfortable with JavaScript, um, it's relatively easy to pick up. Um, not super, super easy. I, you know, I had, I had some help along the way from looking at someone else's boilerplate and I ended up building my own, which I will also drop a link to, um, in the show notes if you want to dig into that. However, these days I favor a more lightweight bare bones setup using just NPM scripts. And I have a boilerplate for that too, that I will also drop in the show notes. Um, and what I like about that is you end up with far fewer dependencies. You end up updating things a lot less frequently because there's just less stuff going on, um, uh, yeah, and so in terms of what I use build tools for, I like to keep my files modular while working on them and then combine them and minify them before deploying them into production. Most of my tooling is centered around that. And while the tools I use vary from project to project, there's a short list of build tools I often reach for. The most important for me, hands down, is Hugo. Hugo is a static site generator um, that uh, that takes some templates written in mostly HTML for things like the header, the footer, the navigation menu, um, and takes a whole bunch of content files written in Markdown and smashes them together to spit out flat HTML files. Um, so if you have sites that are just a few pages, hand coding, shared elements like nav menus and footers and such really isn't that big of a deal. But as your site goes beyond like two or three pages, that becomes really arduous. Um, 
And so Hugo can automate a lot of that for you. And you can also build in some smart logic, like if the page in the nav is the current page, give it, um, you know, give it an ARIA attribute so that um, it shows up styled a little bit differently so people know that's where they are, um, things like that. Um, uh, another one that I use frequently is rollup.js, um, which takes modular JavaScript files, combines them, and spits them out in one or more formats. Um, and so this is particularly useful when you're using um, ES modules or you know import and export um, to manage dependencies and things like that. Um, those are um, natively supported in the browser, but not great for performance, which is a topic for another podcast. And um, ideally, you want to combine them into a single kind of outputted file before you actually load them into your site. Um, and so um, for websites, I usually um, kind of spit those out into immediately invoked function expressions. Um, but for things like plugins and open source projects, I can use Rollup to output my code into a variety of formats, including revealing module patterns, common JS for people who are using Node, um, uh, an ES module that people can import, but that has all of the dependencies already imported into it. So they're only importing one file. Um, and so it allows me to kind of support a bunch of different use cases without having to hand write a bunch of different file format types. So that's really nice. Um, Terser is a JavaScript minification tool available as a plugin for Rollup that reduces the size of JavaScript files for use in production. So it's gonna do things like change all of your really long, easy to read variable names into like single characters, strip out white space and comments, and can really dramatically reduce the size of files depending on um, how you write them. Similarly, um, I also use SAS, which is a CSS precompiler. Um, uh, it does a lot. It has a whole bunch of functionality baked in. Most of it I do not use at all. Um, the things I really primarily use it for are variables and concatenating modular CSS files. And I think I'm probably gonna drop my use of SAS for variables soon um, in favor of native CSS variables. Um, uh, the rest is just noise to me, but um, SAS is, uh, from what I've found, the best way to do that still. Um, I took a look at post CSS, which does something similar. Um, but uh, SAS actually had fewer dependencies than post CSS did, so I prefer to use it. Um, and then the last thing um, for me is SVGO, which is a tool that um, uh, takes SVG files and optimizes them for performance. So the tools that create SVGs usually add a bunch of junk that makes them a lot larger than they have to be, and SVGO strips that all out. Um, there are some build tools that are pretty popular that I actually don't like. Um, uh, the two that immediately spring to mind are Babel, um, which takes modern JS and transpiles it into JavaScript that's friendly for older browsers, which at first glance sounds great, right? Because you can write all your modern JavaScript and then spit out old backwards compatible um, JS, which is cool. Um, I am in awe at what Babel can do, but I don't like shipping JS that's different from the JS I actually authored. Um, it feels weird. It makes it harder to debug. Even with source maps, it's just not not my style. Like I'd rather see the JS I wrote running live in the browser. Um, it's just kind of a personal preference or hang up of mine. Um, I know plenty of folks who use Babel. It is an awesome tool. I have used it on projects before, um, especially for stuff that can't 
be polyfilled, um, like template literals and things like that. Um, it can it can be a huge, huge blessing in that regard. Um, but I just prefer not to use it when uh, when I don't have to. Um, and then uh, the other one is TypeScript, um, which adds type validation to your JavaScript, as in like, hey, this should be a string, but it's a number. That's pretty neat. But uh, the value it adds compared to the effort of setting it up just isn't there for me. It solves a problem that I generally don't have. Um, I don't usually find myself in situations where I'm passing in variables of the wrong type and not already catching those errors in some other way in the script. Um, but if these tools are valuable for you, then by all means use them. Um, they're not my cup of tea, but that doesn't mean they're, they're bad tools. Um, all of this, though, brings up um, another question, which is whether or not you need command line tools at all. Um, you know, I, I remember when I was first learning, uh, there was a couple of, like, toxic dev bro assholes on my team who were always like, real developers use command line. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like, fuck that. No, um, you don't need command line to be a real developer. It's awesome. I, I you know, if you want to learn it, I strongly encourage that. Um, it makes it, once you know it, certain things that are kind of a struggle with GUI tools, um, you can just cobble together your own solutions for with command line and that's super cool. But nope, you don't need command line to, um, to be a real developer or to take advantage of build tools. You can get a lot of those same benefits with GUI-based tools. So on Mac OS, CodeKit is a solid choice that's been around for a really long time. I used to use it before I learned command line, and I'll drop a link to that down in the show notes. Um, and for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux, there's also um, another option called Prepros that does a lot of the same things that CodeKit does. Um, so yeah, that's that's it for today. Um, don't forget, a new session of Vanilla JS Academy kicks off on February 1st, and this week only, you can get 40% off of registration with the code EARLYBIRD at checkout. Head over to VanillaJS.com to learn more, and I'll see you next time. Cheers.